Hello and welcome to the J-Rod Sports Spot with me, James Robson. And me, Ollie Dix. So today, Ollie and I are going to be looking forward to a uh, big weekend of live sport. And sandwiched right at the end is going to be a quick look at the state of the world in Formula 1. Because we obviously had a Formula 1 podcast recorded, but there was a bit of a laptop malfunction last night, which meant that all the recordings of Ollie, Sam and my chat... Uh, were deleted so we had a quick 10 minute chat this evening with Sam over Skype and have managed to shoehorn it into the podcast somehow but let's jump straight into the conversation Ollie and I are having first about sport this week right Ollie let's start with a bit of sort of conversation because I've got a bit of a question for you the Cowboys the Dallas Cowboys. What is going on? Because you've got, I mean, you've had sources coming out from within the locker room saying the coaching is awful. Uh, that, to me, is big, massive red flag, number one. You know, if you're in one of these elite sport, high-performance scenarios, the first thing, you know, you have to control the narrative that is being put out there. And you can't be out there spreading rumours or uh, you know viewpoints about things that are within the locker room and things that need to be addressed privately you kind of need to have one outgoing message that the whole team is behind and it sounds quite weird to people who aren't used to being in that scenario but you don't want to create unnecessary noise for everyone else there's enough of that already going around do we think do you think that like Mike McCarthy, the Dallas head coach, is in trouble there. Has he lost the locker room? Because they've suddenly got rid of a whole lot of veterans, you know, trading them away. And we're going to talk about the trade deadline in a minute. But they've got rid of a whole lot of veterans like Everson Griffin, who's a defensive end, who they've traded to the Detroit Lions. And, you know, they've started trying to shift older players out. Is that because there's a culture problem? I mean... What the hell is going on down there? Yeah, I mean, it's... I I don't blame Mike McCarthy. I think I do have more respect for what Jason Garrett did there oh, for yeah. so long. Eight and eight would look incredible now there, and it wouldn't be a surprise that, to ask Jason Garrett to do that again. Um, you, there's The list of... You know, vets that they bought it brought in at the start of this year, and I don't think they they only have one or two out of about seven or eight that are still there now. Like you said, they've either traded them away or like they cut Dontari Poe. You know, like they've just they've almost seemed to we were almost praising how good this Cowboys defensive team could be, and it's pretty bare now, um, and. I don't think they're tanking, but they're very much accepting they're trying to cut losses now. They don't want to pay too many contracts out. Um, and it just seems like the problem goes a lot further than just what Jason Garrett was last year. It seems to be a culture problem. And it seems like they've kind of got to do a bit of clearing house to like and get guys in that are like, you know, like, do you actually want to be here? Are you going to work for me? Yes, you stay. No, right. Pack your bags. 
and they'll get rid of anyone who says no and then you can actually start to build a culture here because you don't bring someone in like Mike McCarthy and then almost the players end up running the show because that's not what you need especially in Dallas I think the the narrative has shifted now from Jason Garrett was a, a coach who couldn't get it done to hang on a minute these players might mm. well be players that couldn't get it done because a lot of these players have stayed it's not like they've completely rebuilt their roster from last year these are people who failed under Jason Garrett and are failing under Mike McCarthy maybe it is not the coaching I think the most telling moment for me was on Sunday night Andy Dawson gets taken out by an absolutely ludicrous head-to-head you know challenge knocked out cold yeah yeah no Cowboys player is rushing to see if he's alright. No Cowboy player has his back and is, you know, being a bit aggressive towards the guy who did it or like pushing him and shoving him and grabbing him and that kind of thing. I know I know it's hard you, to yeah. say like you don't want to encourage that kind of thing, but if that's your guy who's just been laid out on the floor and knocked out, you want someone you want to know someone has your back. No, and, and I none of that is happening. I completely there. agree with. There's an interview Richard Sherman did, um, and he said, if that happens to Tom in Tampa, whoever makes the challenge doesn't leave that pitch. Yeah, like they are like pile on. You've got all your offensive linemen basically going over there, and you know people coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like there'd be so many penalties after, but that's what you do. Like you stick up for your guy, and. Yeah, it just seems like there's a bunch of individuals there and, okay, like, there doesn't seem to be one common goal there at all um, and that's that's their ultimate downfall here. You know, okay, if that was Dak, would it have been different? It's kind of hard to imagine that it would have, you know? I think they do care about Dak a bit more than they do care about Dalton, but... It's still like it's just yeah that's worrying for me and I think the Cowboys have got a lot further to go than we ever thought they did yeah pro football focus who do the sort of statistical side of the NFL essentially they break down every play and every every player and position and everything uh, they have they've come out with a couple of things this week about the Cowboys, namely that they have the lowest percentage of positive plays in in the offense. So literally, any time the Cowboys get the ball, they are either moving backwards or staying exactly where they are, and they are going to struggle greatly to win another game this season. Well, third string quarterback playing this weekend yeah um, I want to na- say his name is Danucci that could be Danucci not bad from Molly yeah yeah um, I think that could be not Gnocchi <laughs> as bad a football game as the Cowboys have ever played against the Eagles and it's uh, and like this is a big divisional game. Oh, yeah. Like, almost this is one of the worst weeks that you'd want to have your third string quarterback. I don't think it's... Uh, other than at the end... Other than towards the end of uh, last week, actually played a downer football in the NFL. Yeah. And so, like, to be in that position now, you know, isn't a great thing. 
and and yeah i think the ultimate thing for me is that it's a group of individuals there and you know jerry jones they've got to do some wonders um in free agency next year to turn turn this thing around okay so moving from one set of group of individuals to what i would deem potentially a group of individuals at the moment it'd be interesting to see if they come together mike d'antoni the former houston rockets head coach is joining steve nash um the brooklyn nets head coach and he is being an assistant there to nash uh d'antoni coached nash whilst uh both of them were at the phoenix suns from 2004 to 2008 when they played the three seven seconds or less basketball um, and also for the Lakers um, in 2012 to 2014. Have we ever seen anything like this before where it was almost a massive role reversal? Does this help Nash's credibility as well in Brooklyn to kind of distinguish the gap between, okay, it's not Nash, Kyrie and KD making the decisions. It's Nash, D'Antoni, his coaching group, and actually they get to play their style, not Kyrie and KD kind of doing their own thing. I think this is brilliant from Steve Nash. We, we're we both fans of the Amazon Prime show, The Test, yep. which follows the Australian cricket team. And Justin Langer uh, is the head coach of the Australian cricket team. Yep. And he came out with a quote that was like you know I didn't go to Harvard but I employ a lot of people who did 101 of this from Steve Nash yeah you know he he's he's found someone whose basketball mind he trusts and respects and respects and he backs himself to employ the culture whilst learning about the technical side of being a head coach and creating a system that he wants to play in because as a you know playing the position that Steve Nash did you're kind of a coach on the on the court yeah, you're for sure. un, you know it, it's not like you're unfamiliar with the the scheme and how to create certain matchups and things that you do from a tactical standpoint so that's why I'm I'm quite impressed with this hiring because he allows allows a bit of the tactical side of it to be taken away from him and is allowed to focus on managing the characters a bit more which is something I think Steve Nash will be very good at uh, you know I, I think from a team standpoint if you're Ky- Kyrie and KD I think you probably thought you're going to have a little bit more influence than you're going to have yeah I agree um, but actually I think they're both potentially in situations where they also respect the mind that's coming in. And so I don't see this being a struggle. Okay. Uh, I think they might, you know... Figure it out. For all of Kevin Durant's flaws, he has shown that he can... He's coachable. Yeah. You know, he's slotted into different systems. And that's a skill. Um does having D'Antoni on the coaching team uh, add or remove any credibility to Nash's results that he has in Brooklyn? And then to follow up, if things don't go their way, 
and it's like okay this is not working out this should be working out is it easier then for them to remove Nash and bring like move D'Antoni up as head coach and you already kind of have that person in there that you can go to you don't have to have a massive wholesale change you can you already have someone there that can tweak it and make some differences does that make sense yeah I think if the culture is bad then Nash goes like if the team dynamic is bad then Nash goes if the tactic if tactic the tactical side of it isn't up to scratch then Nash has provided himself with an out by having D'Antoni there that he can point out and go that was him you know it kind of works both ways to be honest in the NBA if you win who cares yeah and if you lose your as a head coach your head is going to be on the block so regardless of that you know it doesn't matter who your assistant coaches are you're the number one guy so I like it it's exciting it adds another aspect to the Nets franchise that I wasn't necessarily expecting it removes the pause that I had in the optimism for for the Nets I was optimistic when they hired Steve Nash but I was like oh, just I don't know what the team's going to look like, how they're going to play. It was concerning when Kate Kyrie came out and was like, oh, you know, like, there's no real coaches. It's like the three of us all working together. To me, that shouts like, okay, that's an issue. Um, whereas now there seems to be a little bit more, like, legitimacy, a bit more respect in the building towards the coaches, etc. Okay, let's have a quick look at the NFL trade deadline because there are, uh, I mean, a lot of players that are rumoured to be moving around and, I mean, obviously there have been players that have been signed recently but this is more about, well, this is definitely about trading and, and things like that. So the the sort of marquee moves that we've seen, the big ones, uh, Yannick Ngokwe has gone from the Baltimore, uh, has gone from the, Minnesota Vikings to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, the Seattle Seahawks have traded with the Cincinnati Bengals for Carlos Dunlap, who's a pass rusher, and the defensive edge rusher Everson Griffin has gone from the Dallas Cowboys to the Lions. So, I mean, there, there have already been some big moves. Now, we discussed in previous podcasts about the quarantine rules and how long it will take people to you know get people in who do you think is someone who is screaming out to be traded for so the the name that's there at the moment is uh john ross bengal's wide receiver former first round pick real speedster you would say to be honest most wide receivers in Cincinnati. I don't think AJ Green would mind being traded either. Um, and I think that that... I thought things were turning around in Cincinnati. But to have Dunlap be like, look, I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. He's got a hell of a deal being traded to Seattle there. Um, you know, to go from a team that's not winning to go to a team that's a Super Bowl contender is a great move for your for your career 
Um, but yeah, it's surprising that you know Ross and Green have sp- spoken out like recently of of wanting to be out of Cincinnati. Yeah, uh, and then my other thing is, and I we talk about the Patriots a lot, but for good reason, and I don't think we repeat ourselves. But there's an interesting question that Bill got asked today. Basically, if they lose this weekend. Will it be a wholesale, we get rid of everyone? And he was like, that's a very good sports show talk question. And he was like, but I'm not going to answer that. Yeah. You know, like, that's that's just going to be a no from me. He was like, I respect what you're doing and your job and why you're asking that question, but you're not going to get an answer from me. And so I think it will be very interesting. Like we've seen talks about Stefan Gilmer potentially being on the trade block, selling his house be interesting to see what happens in the Patriots building as to like yeah like who goes where because I saw someone said the Patriots haven't drafted a pro bowler since 2013 and now does that start to reflect on Belichick as a GM yeah Um, I think with a John Ross just disgruntled for a while now hasn't he yeah, I. He's not going to attract big, big trade value. No, because, you know, he's behind Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, T Higgins, and Auden Tate. If you're the fifth string wide receiver, regardless of your pace, it's probably going to be a, a challenge to get something big. My name that I'm, looking at is David Njoku from the Browns the yeah the Cleveland Browns who has an expre- who has expressed an interest to um get the hell out <laughs> essentially you know he's 2017 first rounder only signed through to 2021 um he's looking to be a bigger target yeah a tight end yeah where does he go where who who needs a tight end um, like ultimately like he is one of your more athletic tight ends that can you know run and gun a bit more and like you see him more of as a, a larger wide receiver than like a blocking tight end don't you I think Arizona are one weapon away from being seriously good that's a seriously good shout uh, like I think if he went down there He'd provide something that we haven't seen Cliff Kingsbury having, which is a seriously good receiving tight end that you know can just because that frees. It's like it's like when um, Antonio Brown signed for the Buccaneers. Strangely, the happiest person probably would be Mike Evans. <laughs> yeah, like Tom Brady's obviously happy because he's got another weapon to throw to, but Mike Evans doesn't get the double team all the time now. Yeah. So he's now going to get everyone. Everyone's numbers are going to get better because Antonio Brown is on that team. Well, we, you don't look at an offense and go, "I'm just going to leave Antonio Brown out there with a one-on-one." Yeah, yeah. Especially with like potentially like a four-wide, a four-receiver like slot formation. We got Brown, Evans, Goodwin, Scotty Miller. Even then, if you change one of those for Gronk, with Gronk's recent form, you don't leave Gronk alone now. No. And so straight away, like you said, everyone's one-on-one. You don't double really any of them. Yeah. 
So I'd I'd like to see him somewhere like Arizona. I think as well in Arizona, what you've seen, like we saw, there's the video of Kyler Murray smiling when he sees DeAndre Hopkins in yeah. single man coverage. Having Njoku there changes that again, and that actually he probably ends up being more productive than he was ever going to be on the Browns, yeah. and actually it allows Hopkins to be even more kind of there and like available. And I think he wouldn't he wouldn't have too much of an issue settling in. Yeah. Because Kyler Murray is like a, a very layman's terms way of describing it. Kyler Murray is a better Baker Mayfield. Like ten times over. But like it's not a dissimilar style of play, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like right. it's it he's a better thrower, he's a better runner. And obviously all of that. I'm not sure Baker does anything better. No. Throws interceptions. Throws interceptions. <laughs> yeah, correct. But do you know what I mean? Like, It's not like you're suddenly having to adjust to Tom Brady, who's not going to be rushing, and who's, you're getting the ball out you know, under two seconds. Yeah. It's, it, you've got to be on your route very fast. You're running the same kind you're running to the same kind of internal timing with Kyler Murray as you are with Baker it's just Kyler Murray gets what he wants you know gets what he wants done yeah probably about a thousand times more than Baker Mayfield does I have one question about one team that we have spoken about a few weeks ago when they were uh 0-5 the Atlanta Falcons have the past few weeks, I think they're two and one, having won on Thursday night football against the Carolina Panthers, um, and probably should have won um, against the Detroit Lions as well. Um, they seem to be back in some way. Julio Jones said last night it was a bit of a reminder performance that he is the best wide receiver in the game. There were talks of them potentially clearing house there a little bit. Do you think? these past few weeks have been almost too good for them to do that now? Or do you think actually they still have to go in a different direction? I think uh, the big players are staying. You know, Matt Ryan, way too much on his contract to move. Julio Jones, your star guy. Yeah, way too good. Not going anywhere. There are two people that I think are going to go. One of them is being made inactive already. So Tack McKinley, yep. uh, he's an edge rusher, 2017 first round pick. Uh, he it just didn't pan out under Dan Quinn. Yeah, um, he's being made an active, you know, for this week, the game that was last night. Yeah, for the purpose of being dealt out essentially. So they are looking for a way to get rid of him. The other person is. Alex Mack, who's their centre. And I think what we've seen recently is that there are a fair few good teams who would need a centre and good offensive line play. Two teams that I can think of come to mind. First is Green Bay Packers. This will be a short-term thing because Bakhtiari's gone down and we don't really know the full scope of that injury. Um, The other would be uh, the 49ers 
because Joe Staley, who was their perennial all pro, retired, you know, halfway through the off season and kind of left them in a bit in a bit of a, a, a gap. Yeah. And if, you know, he he was at Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan when they went on that run to the Super Bowl. So again, it would be a sort of an easy fit. And I think actually if you're if you're a team looking to get involved and to trade people, you're looking for people who can come in and make a difference quickly. So you're either looking for someone who's just like a flat out impact player. Yeah. Like a pass rusher who it doesn't really matter what system they're in. If you just turn them loose, they're probably gonna get to the quarterback and make a big attack at some point. And it's like kinda of like a one on one position. For sure. Um, and if you play like a lot of man coverage, you can kind of whack people in your secondary in and out because you just have to play your position well. You're not part of a bigger scheme in man to man stuff. Yeah. Or you're looking for someone that fits in your system quite quickly. Yeah. So with the line, you know, with the line play, it is right. Okay, who who's got the concept with the wide receivers? It's who's got the the passing concepts that we want to integrate into this system. So, I think it's it's more than just they need a wide receiver. There's a wide receiver. Go get that wide receiver. It's okay. But does this person work well with the team that we've got? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think um, looking at that NFC West, um, I think it wouldn't be a surprise to see someone make a move. The 49ers, like like you said, they're four and three. The Rams are five and two. Cardinals five and two. Seahawks five and one. Like, it's ripe for what for someone to just one move could make a massive difference. Whether massive. that's the Cardinals, you know, like you said, and Joku. Whether that's the 49ers just shoring things up. And I think yeah, especially with the fact the 49ers suffered so much in that game against the um, the Jets with yeah. the poor turf. I think, like you said, like that could be a division that's it's already one to watch, but now with the trade deadline, it's going to be a bit more. Right, so Sam, I think the first thing to say is we had actually probably one of our better podcasts that we recorded yesterday, um, but unfortunately, computer malfunctions happened on my end and our 52-minute alfresco podcast is having to be condensed into about five to ten minutes here that's going in the main one that Ollie and I are about to record uh, but safe to say that very much thanks to Sam for kicking me while I was down making unhelpful suggestions on our WhatsApp group last night while I was stressing out trying to get everything back uh, didn't manage to do that so yeah really great Sam thanks anyway uh, pivoting back to the world of Formula 1 because actually one of the good things about having to redo this is quite a lot has changed since we recorded the podcast yesterday uh, first up, Kimi Raikkonen and uh, Antonio Giovinazzi are staying at Alfa Romeo, aren't they? Yes, they are. <laughs> right, the hang on. Just that excellent podcasting <laughs> there, Sam. Thanks. <laughs> well, I said I was winging this one. Um, yes, they're staying. And Kimi Raikkonen is very chilled out about the whole thing. So I think the only side... I think only signed anyway, yesterday. Kimi Raikkonen, wait. It was quite interesting um like how he spoke about Alfa Romeo being like his family and you know like that was 
he seemed that was almost like the happiest he kind of seemed to be that we've seen Kimi in a long time and I think we all got the perspective that he wasn't really enjoying this year but to commit to another year very much suggests something otherwise yeah I think it was it was interesting to to see and actually for someone like Giovinazzi who's trying to kind of make his name in Formula 1 a little bit actually having that consistency of a proven teammate is going to be quite good for him he's going to be able to sort of develop and perfect his car feel a little bit with Kimi Raikkonen there who I think is from the, senior, from the sound of things, they're getting on quite well. Um, but, I mean, it's not really a move for the future, this, for Alfa Romeo, is it? They're just sort of treading water, really. Sam, so who made the better move over the night? We saw Williams also confirm that George Russell and Nicholas Latifi will be their pairing, who next year is better off and who made the better decision and who's going to regret their decision halfway through next year um i think that williams has because they've got george russell yeah that's fair enough you've got a young but exceptionally talented (laughs) yeah i okay i wouldn't say exceptionally talented I would say that he's showing more promise on a Saturday and therefore at some point he needs more... I think he needs more time to be able to show that on a Sunday and that's... I Yeah, I would say that having Russell is better than having Giovinazzi. I think that's the first time I've ever backed George Russell. Interesting. So... There we go. I know, I like it. I'm I'm absolutely loving this uh, George Russell positivity. Uh, How the turntables? (laughs) It's because no one can hear yesterday's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The next question I have for you, Sam, is Toto Wolf came out and said that they were openly in support of uh, Red Bull having a freezed... Uh, 2022 engine year what do you think of that is that the opposite of what we expected or actually big to see big teams sticking together um i'm surprised because i think mercedes have piled a lot of money and a lot of time into their development of their engines for the 2022 plus seasons um unless i mean if you listen to Toto Wolff's interviews post-race he enjoys it when the race gets a bit tighter and they actually do have to race the cars around them for the for the wins so maybe he actually is thinking more about the fans and more about the sport as a as a general and actually it keeps the pack it keeps those top teams closer together rather than Mercedes getting even further ahead which for the sport wouldn't do the sport any good so maybe he's kind of, maybe he's got that and much then, confidence yeah. as well in their ability as a car that he's like yes okay fine will that red bull catch up a bit but actually they're never going to catch us up and overtake us i that's my thing i think that they are so confident with how far ahead they are and how 
capable they've been at producing an engine which is you know unparalleled over recent years that they're like yeah, I mean if if we have to stop developing it for a year it'll probably put us from a second out in front to a quarter of a second out in front we'll still be winning yeah yeah I think that's fair enough um the big thing I have from all this moving around is that Sergio Perez has gone from having potentially five potential seats on the grid to go to to now having one yeah which is potentially at Red Bull and maybe at Haas I suppose uh, yeah I think I think he's going to end up at Haas driver is that Sam what's your prediction um I think he's I I think he's he sees it as he's only got one seat left and that's at Red Bull and I don't think that Red Bull will get rid of I I would I would have thought the Red Bull would have replaced Albon potentially with Gasly and kept the teams closer to get like kept as he's a Red Bull driver would have kept him in the Red Bull setup so I don't think they'll get rid of Albon easily for Perez I think I think Albon's got to now I would look at it and think that Albon's got to really do something bad to for him to for him to go because I just don't I, I think it, I mean imagine that Red Bull driver lineup there next year like all four if it was if it was Verstappen and Perez at Red Bull Racing and then Albon and Gasly that's a seriously talented four driver lineup yeah yeah and that's what I was gonna suggest and you know say like is that the potential like direction would you go but then obviously there is the conversation of Hulkenberg if it was up to you and we assume that Albon is out of the picture who do you take over Perez and Hulkenberg after this year given the job that Hulkenberg did after such short notice in you know, like the same racing point as Perez. I think you've got to take Hulkenberg. I think Hulkenberg's been so impressive. And he'd finally get a podium, which I'd quite like. Yeah, I think I'd take Hulkenberg. I think from how he's come in and jumped into the racing point in, like, ridiculous circumstances and he's not only performed but also won points then i don't see why he's done he's had his taken his opportunities and he's proved himself and there's other drivers on their grid that get the same opportunity week in week out and don't do what he's done so there's obviously a talent there imagine if haas had hulkenberg and perez that would be some consistent drivers that is something that Haas needs. Because yeah, true. Kevin Magnussen on his day is very, very good. And on his day, Romain Grosjean is good. But when they're bad... I can't see them not going with uh, an F2 driver. Really? Yeah, I think Schumacher has a seat next year. I think he still drives at Haas. What a story. What a story if he does. 
Right, Sam. Thank you very much for jumping in on this. Uh, I'm sorry it didn't all work out yesterday. But, uh, yeah, thanks for helping us out and, and sorting out a little bit of F1 in the main pod. Uh, and we'll chat to you next week after a minute. We'll do a better job next week. Bye. Keep bringing the positivity, <laughs> Sam. <laughs>Right, so thank you very much for listening to that episode of the J-Rod Sports Pod, squeezing Sam in there just a little bit at the end uh, for a quick chat. Uh, unfortunately, it was a, a day late, but these things happen. It was a day late, wasn't it? We kind of, I kind of skipped our... Yeah, with Sam yesterday. Yeah. Every, all these things. We have a lot going on. Um, but join us uh, on Tuesday for our roundup of the weekend sport, including some rugby because we've got Super Saturday we've got Six Nations that's a great excuse for me to tell the missus that I've got to watch the rugby all afternoon <laughs> um, and then on Wednesday next week when we're going to be talking about the Grand Prix at Imola with Sam but until then please make sure that you be a friend and tell a friend about the J-Rod Sports Pod <laughs>